Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. All right, today we're going to wrap up a series we've been on full of grace, and we're moving into a series next week that's actually going to take us right into Easter, uh, believe it or not. So Easter, I believe, is four weeks away from today. Uh, So again, I want to encourage you to be thinking of that friend or that colleague that might say no to going to church 364 days a a year, but might say yes on that one day Easter and start planting that seed and let's uh, introduce some people to Jesus on Easter Sunday. Can we do that? No? Yeah. All right, as I said, we're we're wrapping up kind of a joint series uh, that we began about six weeks ago uh, when we discussed something that John said about Jesus. He said this man, Jesus Christ, was full of two things. He was full of grace and full of truth. So uh, we started this series by talking about what it means that he's full of truth. And then we ended that part of the series by asking the simple question, what do we do with all of these truths? And uh, over the last few weeks, now we've been looking at what John meant uh, when he said that Jesus was full of grace. Uh, So we talked about how Jesus would place himself in these situations where he had the choice between the law and grace. He had to choose between the law and tradition or grace and compassion. And Jesus would always choose grace. And we looked at how this was a revelation of the heart of God. Uh, If you remember, it was actually over this matter of grace and compassion versus the law and tradition that Jesus gives kind of one of his most harsh and stern rebukes in Matthew chapter uh, 23, where he's saying, Woe to you Pharisees and teachers of the law. And what he basically tells them is you follow the letter of the law to a T, but you actually neglect the heart of God, justice and mercy and compassion and faithfulness. And then last week we looked at how uh, it wasn't just Jesus revealing the heart of God, but Jesus was actually transitioning the people and pointing them to a new covenant relationship uh, that was taking place, where the covenant relationship between God and man was moving from this place where it was founded on obedience to the law to a new place where it was founded on the forgiveness of Christ and the grace of Christ. So today... We're going to wrap up the series by asking the same question that we asked about truth. So we have all this information. Now what do we do with it? Uh, In uh, 2 Peter, Peter gives this warning to, to the people. He says, it is very possible for you to have a knowledge of Jesus Christ that is both ineffective and unproductive. He says you can have a knowledge of Jesus Christ, and literally the translation is that is barren and unfruitful. Now, there is a label given to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law throughout the New Testament that actually kind of sounds like a good label. He says uh, they call them the experts in the law. Uh, the law was their field. The law was their area of expertise. They knew it backwards and forwards. But the reality was their knowledge of the law was ineffective and unproductive. And it was actually... The experts in the law who created the most resistance to what God was trying to do. I want you to hear that because I want you to know that your level of expertise uh, 
is not correlated to God's ability and his desire to use you in the kingdom of God. You may be here and you may be saying, I'm just a baby Christian. Uh, I don't even know where to begin in the Bible. That does not mean that God has not called you to, to powerful and great things in the kingdom of God. But the Bible says that it's possible to have this knowledge of God that is unfruitful and unproductive. And what we want is the exact opposite. We want the knowledge that we have to produce great fruit for the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to be talking about grace. Now here's the thing about grace, the doctrine of grace, and what Paul calls the gospel of grace. When it comes to works and deeds and earning, you are basically just taken right out of the equation. Uh, I was thinking this morning about a, a TV show that I used to watch and. There was a kid who asked for help with his math homework, and the guy had no idea what he was talking about, but he pretended to know. So he said it was, it was x squared equals whatever, and he said, well, you see this little 2 right here? See how small it is? That means it doesn't matter. So you can just take that right out of the equation. That's kind of what grace does with us when it comes to the works uh, and earning. It just takes us right out of the equation. It's a good thing that Emily does the homeschooling. <laughs> See, the law places you in the middle of the equation, but grace removes you from the equation. The, the gospel of grace says that your right standing and your favor before God, it's not found, and in fact, it can never be found with what you have done. You can never be good enough. You can never do enough, and that's kind of intentional. I, I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul is writing to the church here, starting in verse 8. He says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul says something as clearly as he can possibly say it. You are saved by grace alone when you simply place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. It is not based on your works. But I love something that Paul does. He specifies something here. So he does, in Romans, he tells the people that, hey, grace sets you free from sin, but it doesn't set you free to sin. Uh, that's not what grace does. He actually says the same thing here regarding good works. He says, grace sets you free from the mindset that good works earn you God's favor. But then he says, but that's what you're created to do. Uh, if you want to put that on the screen, he says, you are created in Christ Jesus to do these good works. They don't have anything to do with your salvation, but that's what you're created for. And then he says something else right after that. And I want you to see this. He says, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. What this means, if we begin to look at things from this perspective, when we have opportunities to do good, <coughs> bless you, it's not a coincidence, but what if we see that as a divine appointment? What if when we have opportunities to do good for people, to serve people, to have grace and compassion upon people, what if we recognize that God was there preparing this event. It is a divine appointment, and we've been created to do these good works. 
So we are created to do these good works, but to recognize that in no way are they tied to our salvation. So under grace, concerning salvation, you are taken out of the equation. Almost. Can you look at somebody and say, almost? Almost. Okay, three people. Almost. The reason there is an almost is because the Bible gives us three directives, three uh, instructions on what to do with this grace. So when scripture talks about grace, understand you do nothing for it, but you're supposed to do something with it. The Bible tells us you do nothing for it, but it tells us there are things that we're supposed to do with it. So if you can remember when we asked the question of uh, truth, what do we do with God's truth? And what we found when we looked is uh, Jesus said that we live by the truth. And Paul said we live out the truth and we walk in the truth. A little spoiler alert. We're going to find the same thing with grace. You know, at the book of Galatians, Paul is writing this letter. And it's, it's, kind, of, uh, it's kind of, I guess, interesting. It's in the midst of a rebuke to the Galatian church. And he actually starts the letter uh, just like he would any other letter. He says, you know, I'm Paul and grace and peace to you and to God be the glory. And then he just takes the gloves off, uh, starting in verse 6. So he says, to God be the glory. And then he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who did what? Who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. Paul says, I'm astonished that you are leaving this gospel that you were called to live in. You were called to live in the gospel of grace. Now, what's amazing, if you read the, the context of the Galatians, they were not removing anything from the gospel of grace, but they were adding to the gospel of grace. And, and they thought they had it figured out because what they decided was, hey, we can take this gospel of grace. And if we combine it with the law, then it's even more perfect than it already was because the law was a good thing and now we've got grace. If we can co-mingle them, uh, it's perfect. Now, uh, I was born and raised uh, in, in South Georgia. When people ask where in Georgia, I usually just say South Georgia because they'll never hear of where I'm from. But what that means is I was raised on sweet tea. I'm gonna give you the secret this morning to the perfect sweet tea. So you drop the tea bag in, and then you put in equal parts water and sugar. <laughs> now, it's not all gonna dissolve, but that's my design. Because the perfect sweet tea, when you take a swallow, you're chewing on a few grains of sugar, and that's how you make the perfect sweet tea. But I remember this one time, I was working in a restaurant, and somebody ordered peach iced tea. So I grabbed the peach concentrate to mix to the tea, only I thought I was grabbing peach concentrate. Actually, it was Italian salad dressing. <laughs> and I mixed it in with the tea. Now here's the, I like Italian dressing. It's one of my favorite dressings. And Italian dressing is a good thing. 
and they had the nerve to send it back. <laughs> you know, you can take something that is already perfect, and you can add something that in and of itself is a good thing, and it completely, completely destroys that which was perfect. And you think, oh, this, if I add something good to it, it'll make it more perfect. And that's what's happening with the gospel of grace in the Galatian church. They said, we have the perfect uh, gospel of grace here. Let's add some good things to it. And Paul said, no, the moment that you add something to grace, requirements to grace, it's no longer grace. In Galatians 5, in fact, he tells them, you were running a good race. You were doing such a good job. And then someone got to you. He says, someone distorted the truth and perverted the gospel of grace. They were burdening, burdening people with the law and works and throwing this on top of the gospel of grace. So Paul just lays it out in verse 13 of chapter 5. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Free from what? It was free from this mindset of earning the favor of God. Church, if you are in Christ this morning, you have the favor of God. We don't go out the door and weigh the good versus the bad. Well, I had a really bad day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, but it was great Friday and Saturday. So, you know, I, I'm down below the bar this week. No, under grace, you are operating from a place of forgiveness. And the Bible says this. It says that God has called you to live in that grace. Now, what does that mean exactly? I want to define grace, and I want to do it using a single verse of Scripture that Paul gave to the Corinthian church. Uh, I believe this is the best single verse definition of grace that we have. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We call this the great exchange. When Paul talks about living in grace, what he's saying is you live under this umbrella and this reality, that God has taken all of the bad and given you all of the good. He's taken the ugly and the nasty and the disgusting sin that you brought in, and he's given you the purity and the holiness and, and the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. He's taken your shame, he's taken your condemnation, and he has given you, given you innocence and purity. You are blameless before God. What this does when we recognize that we are under the grace of God is you don't look and see yourself. You see what God has done. You see that you are covered in Christ. We talked about last week how even uh, uh, when Jesus turned the water into wine, it was a picture uh, of being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Church, we have access to God and the favor of God, the forgiveness of God. And to live in the grace of Jesus Christ is to walk in this confidence and freedom and to always remember why. That through Jesus Christ, we are pure and holy and perfect. That we are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. 
So where do you fit into this equation of grace? You're called to live it out. And if we're looking at this list of three, that's actually number two. The first thing we're called to do is in Romans chapter 5. Speaking of, of Adam, it says, If by the tres trespass of one man, death reigns through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? The first thing that we are called to do in this equation of grace is to receive it. Now, there are two primary words in the New Testament that are translated into receive. One of those is basically, if I set something in your lap, don't reject it. To receive it, in other words, just passively receive it. And the other one is to actively receive it, which means to take hold of something. And when he's writing right here, he uses that second word, which means to actively take hold of the gospel of grace. And he says that when we take hold of that gospel, the grace of Jesus Christ, what happens is we move from this place where we're reigning in death to where we are reigning in life. So the first thing God has called us to do is to receive the gospel of grace. The second thing God has called us to do is to live the gospel of grace and to live in the gospel of grace. And in 2 Peter, we find the third thing that God has called us to do, and that's to grow in grace. Peter said this, he said, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Um, Renee, if you want to go ahead and come. Uh, I was talking to my, my four-year-old this morning, um, and I said, are, are you always, kind of broke my heart, I said, are you always going to be my little guy? And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you're not. He said, I can't stop myself from growing. Mm. Yeah, that's right. You know what's funny about growing and the command to grow <clears throat> is I can't I can't make myself grow, I can't make you grow, but what I can do is I can feed you. I can't make my kids grow, but what I can do is I can feed them. So how do we make grace grow in our life? Well, we're much better at making fear and anxiety grow in our life. Now how does that work? We dwell on it. We dwell on the things that worry us, we dwell on the things that scare us, and before we know it, we are growing in our anxiety. So how do we grow in grace? We begin to dwell on the grace of God. Jesus said to abide in him. That means to remain present with him at all times. And you might look at this passage and say, maybe Peter was talking about growing in acts of compassion and in the acts of grace. Now, the Bible is very clear that we are called to operate in compassion, that we are created to do these works. But if you read the actual context of, of this in 2 Peter, if you were to back up, Peter says, uh, hey, I'm teaching you the same thing that Paul taught you. And then he says the same thing that Paul said in uh, Galatians. 
He said, but what's happening is people are coming in and they are distorting this gospel. People are, are distorting the teaching, teachings. And he tells the people that what's happening is your minds were stable before. The Bible uses the word they were secure. But they're being rattled by these other teachings that are coming. These teachings that Paul said, even if they came from an angel, to reject them. So Peter says, grow in two things, grace and knowledge. <clears throat> what I find so intriguing here is, is what are the two things that John said about Jesus? He said, this man was full of grace, full of truth. Peter said the two areas to grow. Grow in your grace and grow in your knowledge. Grow in your knowledge of that truth. Can you guys stand this morning? If we could close eyes this morning. critic we recognize our tendency God to, to place ourselves back under the law and works but I pray this morning Lord that something clicks that we recognize the need to begin each day from a place of forgiveness, recognizing our, our righteousness in you. And the Lord, that, that it's from that place of forgiveness that we walk in freedom from sin, that we recognize the good works and good deeds, God, our divine appointments. As Renee leads us, I just want you to close your eyes and, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.